Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. My name is Gary Cacciolillo, your host, and today we have Ms. Aida. Thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Gary. Nice to, to be on here and nice to meet everybody. And you're the author of uh, three very interesting books on hoodoo and sort of the Santeria type of um, stuff, correct? Not, not really. Um, no. Santeria is an African traditional religion. Hoodoo mm-hmm. is an African derivative tradition. So okay. hoodoo is, is folk magic, but I have roots in Santeria. Okay. Um, is there a difference between hoodoo and voodoo? Yes, there's a big difference. Um, voodoo, V-O-O-D-O-O, is a religion. It's an African traditional mm-hmm. religion. And they get a lot of bad raps. You know, from what I understand, it is a very beautiful religion. You know, they honor their, their deities. Right. It's not the, the junk you see on TV where they do all this black hateful magic and bring the dead to life like zombies. It, that's all horrible stuff. It's uh-huh. a beautiful religion. Hoodoo, on the other hand, is, like I said, is an African derivative tradition and it derives its roots from Africa, but it also incorporates Asian magic, Native American magic, Spanish magic, and it has an, a very heavy Judeo-Christian influence. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I, knew, I, knew, I, knew, I knew it was sort of Catholic-like. No, no, no. no. In fact, Library Journal wrote a beautiful write-up about my book, Hoodoo Cleansing and Protection Magic. And because I'm Catholic, they assumed it was a Catholic-based religion. And it's actually Baptist that, remember, the, the slaves were brought from Africa and to the United States into mostly Southern countries. I mean, I'm sorry, states, not countries. Uh So they practice mostly Protestant religions in in the South. So that's why they've got the the Christian influence, but but it is a Protestant base. I didn't know that. Um, If you talk about Santeria, Santeria, uh you know, again, all these different traditions and religions, you know, they derive their roots from Africa. So it doesn't matter if it's a a traditional practice or a religion, they derive their roots from Africa. So there are similarities, right? When the slaves were brought to the Caribbean islands and even to Brazil, 
these islands such as Cuba, where, where my mother is from, um, Puerto Rico, all those, those different islands, Dominican Republic, they hid their religion, if you will. They hid it within the Catholic faith. So their religion then becomes, you know, which is basically Yoruba, different types of African religions. They hid it within the Catholic faith. So the, if their deity resembled, um, for instance, one of the patron, the patron saint of Cuba, her name is the Virgen Caridad de Cobre, which is in English, you know, the, the Our Lady of Charity. And her attributes resembled those of the deity Oshun. So now it goes hand in hand. Virgen Caridad de Cobre is Oshun, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is Obatalat. And it goes on and on. So they hid their, their religion into the Catholic religion, and that gave birth to Santeria. So Santeria, if you know, the interpretation is the veneration of saints. Santeria, Santo, get it? Right. So, so it's about the saints from the... Right, right. Interesting. I, I had no idea about that history. Yeah, so, you know, if you meet the hardcore people, there's a, a lot of friends I have, it, have had in the past, you know, unfortunately they've all passed away, and they're from Nigeria, right? So the hardcore, they're going to refer to all the deities <clears throat> by their African um, names. So they're going to say, oh, Batala, Shango, Kabyosila, they're going to they're gonna say that, and then you'll meet the Latin people who will say, oh, for instance, St. Lazarus. Okay, he is Babaluaye. I don't know if you've ever remembered the program, I Love Lucy. Yeah, I do. Uh, Ricky Ricardo, we used to sing this song, Babalu, Babaluaye. He was singing to an Orisha, St. Lazarus. So, um, the Cubans, the Puerto Ricans, a lot of Latin people, they will just refer to the Orishas by their, their Catholic syncretism, right? So they'll say, oh, St. Lazarus. Or they'll use them interchangeably. Oh, Virgen Carida Cobre. Oh, Oshun. Oh, Batala. Or Jesus. Oh, St. Lazarus. Oh, Babaluaye. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Hmm. So... So how did, like, like, is this something that was passed down through your family? Yes, from what I understood from my mother, my grandmother was a Santera. A Santera is a, a female who has been initiated in a Santeria. A Santero is a male. Uh, my mother was, a, uh, my grandmother was a Santera, and I don't remember who had her head. I don't remember, but Babaluaye, Saint, Saint Lazarus. I mean, if you've ever seen statues of him, he's he's got crutches and he's got dogs with him. And in the Santeria faith, we believe that he heals bone diseases. He helps the homeless, but he helps bone diseases. And my grandmother was stricken with some sort of bone cancer 
I can't give you the exact diagnosis because, you know, my mother was a poor historian and mm -hmm. back then they probably couldn't tell you the, the name of the cancer, but he cured her and her uh, promise to him, you know, she made promises to him. I don't remember what, but she always wore brown garb like a monk. And you know that, <clears throat> that rope that those monks wear? Yes. She always wore that rope. And it was in honor of Babaluaye. So then my mother was a Sandera. My mother was a Palera. My mother was a witch. So, yeah, growing up, this is how I grew up. That, but, must, have been, that must have been really cool as, as like a kid not, to, to not be exposed. Really, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it was really cool. Da, 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 da. It really wasn't. It was just part of life. It was just I, normal? It, it just, yeah. I mean, there was nothing really outstanding. No, it was just what I grew up with. Okay. The only thing I resent now is, you know, when you're growing up and you become a teenager, you think that older people don't know what they're talking about, right? And if I had written down everything my family said, I could be writing encyclopedias. But, you know, rebe rebellious teenager, yeah, 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 and, and leave you know, <laughs> uh -huh. but yeah, I'd have to sit on the floor and sing and make, make something called omiero. You know, there's different types of omieros. They're just a, a, a fluid concoction, you know, make different ones for different necessities or to honor one of the Orishas. You know, it's just part of life. Nowadays, it's interesting because nowadays people make a big deal out of it. It was like, oh boy, you know. Oh, I'm making omiero. Back then, I thought it was a punishment. It's like, yeah, I gotta do this. You know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, like, is, is that still popular today? Santeria and Lukumi, Yoruba, oh, absolutely. Voodoo, absolutely. Palo, absolutely. Yeah, everything. Everything is very popular. It isn't practiced the way I was used to it. There, there was a lot of um, hierarchy, you know, and, and there were a lot of things that we did. If, for instance, if I saw an elder, I had to throw myself at their feet and do these things with my elbows or greet them with my shoulders. There was always something I had to do or we, you know, we had to do and everybody was addressed differently. Nowadays, you know, we got the younger generation. I'm not quite sure what they're doing. I, I don't really pay attention, to be honest with you. Right. So I can't answer your question in full because it's not what I was used to. It, it, it for me was a way of life mm -hmm. and you just honored the, the hierarchy and what can I say? But you know, I, I went into hoodoo because I got tired of the animal sacrifices. They were getting to me. Right. And hoodoo does not require animal sacrifices. And that's what I really love about this practice. 
there's a lot of similarities again because they both derive their roots from Africa and that's why I'm a hoodoo practitioner now wow um, I'm, actually, still a, I'm still a palera but I'm, I'm not actively participating in, in those practices is it a misconception that like when they do through the uh, um the animal sacrifices that the animal is treated really well beforehand. And then afterwards they do eat the animal. I've never, never seen an animal abused. Never. In my household, excuse me, in my household, animals were sacrificed and then eaten. But Nowadays, and I want to make this perfectly clear, there are a lot of honorable practitioners out there, a lot, but there's just as many dishonorable ones. And they sacrifice animals excessively, excessively, and it makes me sick to my stomach. And what they do, I don't know, but back in the olden days, no, we, we didn't do that. Yeah, because I always assumed that, you know, the animal was presumed sacred and was taken care of and then consumed afterwards so nothing would go to waste. Right, right. You know, there it, was, it, was, it was done like almost like part of like, like, you know, like you have to kill your food anyway, so make it meaningful. Exactly, exactly. Um. So in your first couple, like two of your books are like, looks like they're about like curses and spells. Cursing and, oh, cursing and crossing. Yeah. Who do spells to torment, jinx, and takes revenge on your enemies. And the other one is destroying relationships. It's basically a breakup book or to send people away who are bothering you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Those are my first two books. Um. The, 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 the spells and stuff, I found that interesting. Um, there's some really weird ones in here that I've never seen before, like insect spells, um, graveyard dirt spells, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, how, how yeah. do people? What's your point? <laughs> how do people think of this stuff? You know, like, like, like where, where are the origins behind the spells? Like, they come from Africa, right? Um, but what, like, what makes it interesting is, uh, you know, I, I would never think of some of these things, um, <laughs> like a shoe and sock spell. What would that do? Well, it depends. So if you want to make someone come to you, what, you know, what do shoes and socks represent? You know, the, um, transportation, right? Uh-huh. So if you want to, for instance, make somebody come to you, you keep their shoes or a shoe or a used sock. Whereas if you want to make them go away, you would throw a used, when I say used, I mean worn and unwashed. Okay. Uh-huh. You would throw that in a river. You would throw the shoe or the sock in the river to make, you know, to, to make them go away. So shoes, Shoe spells, there's a lot of other shoe spells. There's shoe spells to, to break up relationships. That one, 
There's one I have in one of my books that actually came from India. A hoodoo practitioner gave it to me, but she, she's from, she got the spell from India, which, which is really good because some shoe spells, you know, um, what do shoes do? You think about what the object does, what the insect does, whatever you're using. What is the nature of that tool that you're utilizing? So shoes stomp, right? So you can stomp on yes. something and hurt them. You can keep things in your shoes for other purposes. So it's, it's not really that complicated, Gary. It's whatever the tool represents. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, for instance, flies. You know, what mm -hmm. do flies mean to people? Well, to me, they, they represent transmission of germs, right? So I would use those in, in negative spell work. Mosquitoes. I, I've never mentioned that in any of my books. In fact, I need to mention that in the next transcript. But mosquitoes, those are nasty, nasty. I hate mosquitoes. Yeah. You know, I, I view them as being dirty needles. As a nurse, that's how I view them. Yeah. And... <clears throat> use them in negative spell work. If you want to cause harm to somebody, use dead mosquitoes. Whatever the nature, mm -hmm. you know, what, what do ants do? Yeah, that's like the one thing I hate the most is fire ants. Can't stand them. <laughs> <laughs> I get killed by them all the time down here. Oh, where are you? I'm in Alabama. Oh, by the wow. Cold Coast. I'm about... Maybe two and a half hours from New Orleans. Oh, wow. How awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I think of that song, Sweet Home Alabama. When I uh -huh. was in the Air Force, when I was in the Air Force, they would play that song on the radio and all the people from Alabama would start crying their eyes out. Oh, <laughs> it's Alabama, you know. <laughs> Well, it is definitely a pretty place to live. I've been to Mobile several that's, times. That, well, that's where I'm at, actually. Oh, you're kidding. Uh, well, like Mobile's on one side of the bay, and I'm on the uh, other. Mobile's like 20 minutes from me. Oh, my God. I love Mobile. I love their Mardi Gras. I yeah. understand that's where the Mardi Gras originated. It is, yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a cool city. Yeah, and I remember when I went to one of the Mardi Gras, I had an evening gown on. It was different than than it is in New Orleans. Like in in, in Mobile, it's it's uh, honorable. It's it's uh, prim and proper, right? I'm, I'm not yeah. saying that it isn't that way in New Orleans. I'm just saying it's a different culture. And uh -huh. I remember some of the guys would jump out of their trucks, the ones that were in the in the parade. And they would bring me box of, boxes of candy. I mean, they even had good prizes in Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got some good stuff in Mobile. Yeah, Mardi Gras is huge here. Like, even in the town I live in, like, we, they have Mardi Gras parades the entire month. Oh, wow. Wow. So it's huge. Yeah. Um, I haven't been to one in 20 years, so. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to go to one in, in New Orleans sometime, too. Just 
they're not they're fun they're 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 different because and, and no offense okay but um if you really 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 want to party and have a really good time new orleans is the place to do it if you you want to be prim and proper and do it the way the southerners intended you know the prim mm-hmm. and proper um you go to mobile yeah so me it's I'd like to do both. I've been to Mardi Gras in, in New Orleans. And <laughs> wow. I mean, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Not recently. I'm still talking 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I was just talking to my wife. I said, you know, maybe if I go down to Bourbon Street, I can find some interesting podcast guests. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> my hunt for guests. There um, you go. So, so what are some of these other ones? I, I've heard the evil eye. That's like an Italian one because I'm Italian. I remember my grandmother talking about the evil eye. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, that one always scared me. I didn't want her to put it on me. Well, you know, there's lots and lots of books written about the evil eye. Lots of books. I, I bought a book. In fact, I mentioned it in a new book that, will be published probably the end of next year where anthropologists have written huge books about the evil eye and how far it goes back to ancient times and all the different cultures that had so many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ways of diverting the evil eye. It's really interesting. That that was a very revered curse and people took it seriously yeah i think in it, the italians like they used to wear like a, a little horn necklace or right, something right right exactly to ward it off from what i understood because i was married to an italian is that you can't wear it if you're not italian it doesn't work that horn <laughs> yeah no, no, you can't wear that. You can't wear that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so. So, so in your new book, I was reading through about, you know, some of the different uh, techniques for, for, like, you know, fighting these type of spells. Right. In, in hoodoo, cleansing and protection magic, I've turned it all around. Yeah. And who else better to do this than the person who's written all the bad things? (laughs) (laughs) Here's how you do the bad things, and here's how you (laughs) reverse the bad things. So, (laughs) (laughs) hey, who else would know better? So, what's your question? (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, I was just looking at it, and... um, all the different levels of, of uh, stuff in here. Like, like there's like, you know, personal cleansing, house cleansing, um, um, cleansing of objects. And that, that one I thought was interesting. Like, cause I have heard of like, even like, like haunted objects. Right. There are possessed objects. So you've got different types of objects that you can get objects that absorb energy. And we can compare this can be akin to a lucky coin or a lucky shirt or a lucky ring and a a lucky object. Oh, I got to wear my lucky ring to this event or to this interview. 
And the reason we consider them lucky is because somehow whatever object it is, has absorbed positive energies, right? Right. And then the same thing can happen with negative energies. And for instance, if, if an evil, evil person wore a ring and did some horrible things, objects absorb energies. They absorb energies, whether negative or positive, they absorb them. And it's a lot harder to... Um, get rid of those energies, right? So it takes a long time. They're slow to release that energy, if you will. So if a very, very bad person owned a particular object, such as a ring or a necklace or whatever, and let's just say hypothetically this guy dies and his necklace or ring or whatever ended up in a pawn shop, or a garage sale or an antique store and someone were to buy that ring and wear it, they're going to start feeling all these horrible things, the horrible energies that this man had experienced and transferred some of those energies into that object. Right. I was reading in your book, I think something about like somebody had a, a stone or something that was involved in a 9-11 attack? That was what had happened. Then you've got, yeah, that's another one of energies. And, and what had happened was I met this really great guy and he gifted me with stones from 9-1-1. And the whole household, everybody was arguing and screaming. And, and I ended up kicking him out of my house and... I never spoke to him again and I realized it was the stones, you know, because the stones had absorbed this horrible trauma. So you have situations like that. Then you have um, possessed stones. So what you're, you're calling haunted. So possessed stones. And the way I explained it in the book is that entities can transfer part of their essence into an object. So that is another way that you can bring in, as you said, a haunted object, but it's a possessed mm -hmm. object. Okay. Um, and then you have <clears throat> and a good book to read on that is by John Zaffis and he's an expert. Uh, I, I'm actually very familiar with him. Yeah. Oh my God. I just love that guy. Yeah, so I, I um, used to do paranormal investigating when I was in New Jersey and the group that I belonged to was, you know, the, the woman who ran it, her father was friends with him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. How cool. So have you read his book haunted by the things you love? I haven't read it now. It's, it's a very interesting book. I, I, I reference it in Hoodoo Cleansing and Protection Magic. So he, he has that museum, the Haunted Museum. Yep. And I met him at a ghost hunt, and he spent a lot, a lot of time talking to me. He's a very knowledgeable teacher. And I, I speak of him in my book, too, how knowledgeable he is. So that's the world's foremost expert on possessed objects. Then you yeah. have bewitched objects. 
And the one thing I'm going to go back about um, possessed objects is they lie dormant. The, the activity lies dormant. So you can bring it in your house. I remember somebody had a coffee pot that, that was actually had an essence of an entity and everything was fine for a few weeks. And then suddenly bad things started happening little by little by little. And then, then they got out of control and it was a coffee pot. That, that would ruin my life. Pardon me? That would ruin my life, a haunted coffee pot. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I love coffee. That's how I function. <laughs> <laughs> then you have bewitched objects. And a bewitched object is when someone who practices magic um, inserts their will upon an object and then somehow gets that object to their target, to the intended person. Now, the difference between a bewitched object and a possessed object is abnormal activity will start happening immediately. So I talk about the different types of objects and I talk about <clears throat> what to do. Everything I talk about in this book, I, I talk about a remedy also. And there's a remedy. There's a remedy for each of the dilemmas. Yeah, I, I was looking at some of those remedies. I mean, there are definitely like some things like I know, like like white sage. Um, I'm kind of, I have white sage in like every room of my house. <laughs> you know? And I use it regularly because it seems to work, you know, it just gets rid of that negative energy. Right. Right. Um, sure does. But then there was things like I've never heard of, like one of the things I was looking up and I never heard of was rue. Rue. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. been used since ancient times. They've used it in, in churches and Christian churches. The Wiccans use it. I mean, the Paleros use it. The Santeros use it. Everybody uses it. Huh. Rue is very ancient and, and widely well-known. I may it's, have to buy a rue plant. It's an herb. And you can... Now, the one warning I do have in the book is if you're pregnant, don't work with rue, okay, because it, it's an abort reference, I think it's called, and you you can abort. And... So I, I warn people to stay away from rue if they're pregnant. But otherwise, rue is wonderful. I always keep five pounds of it here, five pounds of dried rue. <laughs> you know, the, the, um, in Santeria, they use it fresh, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The spirit's still in them. So rue is a wonderful protector, a very wonderful, and a cleanser. And there's some that I've never even thought of would be something spiritual like pine saw. Pine saw, yes. Now, you have to read the label because from what I understand, they may not be using the actual pine essence anymore. So you do have to, to read the ingredients. It's interesting because the company is now selling both types and they might have old types in stock, but yes, definitely pine salt. 
Does that have any, is that one of the reasons why the, we use pine trees for Christmas trees? That I don't know. That I, I, I'll tell you what, a Wiccan can tell you that. They know all about that. That I can't tell you about Christmas. And, and that, that's not a, that gets its derivatives from pagan holidays, from what I yeah. understand. Interesting. I just never thought it's of very, like, it's very, the, the, the pine connection. <laughs> well, you know, I, I associate Christmas with, with Bayberry. Now, that's not in this book, but in Hoodoo, we believe that Bayberry brings money. And people used to burn Bayberry candles around Christmas time. And the whole idea behind doing that was that people would lose a lot of money gift giving, right? So they would light the Bayberry candles to recoup their financial losses during the holiday season. So that's where it derived its origins. So we use it in Hoodoo for money spells hmm. all the time. And... um do you ever does hoodoo deal with anything like like, like actual like conjuring? Conjure and hoodoo are the same thing. That's the, it, it. They're used interchangeably. In fact, I was talking to somebody earlier, and I was like, I just don't like the word conjure. It it just doesn't sit right with me. I love the word hoodoo. Uh -huh. Conjure to me, although they're used interchangeably, and they are basically the same thing because of all the negative publicity that the media has given to conjure, I just don't like the term. So I, I prefer using the term hoodoo, but okay. it's called hoodoo root work, conjure work. It's all the same thing. So how about like, you know, there's, there's two terms that, that I, I listen to like a lot of old blues music. And two terms that I always hear are uh, mojo. I knew you were going to say that. And the other one is like bad juju. Bad juju. So, you know, a mojo hand that comes from the mojo hand. And what that is, is a bag. It's a small bag, right? Right. And there's objects in the bag. So, for instance, if I wanted to attract money to me. So I would get this bag and I would put lodestones in there with um, the magnetic sand because lodestones load are magnets, right? right? I might use pyrite, the, the crystal pyrite, the fool's mm -hmm. gold, right? And who do we believe that also attracts money? And by the way, it's also protection. It can also be used for protection. I might put herbs in there that attract money, such as alfalfa. Alfalfa is said to attract money. I could put bayberry root chips in there. We've already discussed uh -huh. bayberry, right? Um, I would put my little bit of my hair in that bag. I would put a petition paper in there to bring me money. And I would say a prayer into the bag. I would, before I close the bag up, right? I would 
put the open bag to my mouth and say a prayer and awaken everything and bless them. And, and then I would activate it. And this is how we activate in hoodoo is we emit, we do not spit, we emit saliva respectfully. And then you close up the mojo bag that now it's called a mojo bag, right? Mm-hmm. And then what we do is we feed the mojo bag. So now we've given it by the prayers and the, and the saliva, you know, in our words, we have now brought this to life. So to keep it alive, just like we keep anything alive, we feed it, right? So you could feed the bag with whiskey. And that's what they did a lot in the olden days. Nowadays, you can feed it with whiskey. You can feed it with, oh, they used to use Hoyt cologne. We still do that too. Or you can actually use a coen, uh, uh, an oil that coincides with the intent of the bag. Mm-hmm. And then you carry that bag. You feed it. You feed the bag. So how do you feed the bag? You would, what we call a five spot. So we have the upper left-hand corner. We give it a dab of whatever you're using upper right-hand corner, lower right-hand corner, lower left-hand corner, and then one in the middle. So that's how we feed the mojo hand. And that's what it is. Now, bad juju, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about being crossed. You know, they're, they're, they've got some kind of negative negativity surrounding them. So that's what the bad juju is. But there's a lot of songs that talk about mojo. It's it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, especially in the blues. It's not too many, you know, always about going down to Louisiana to get a mojo hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about, you know, like we actually, I guess, is there a connection between curses and like using curse words? Yeah, there is a connection because whenever we state something, sound is energy, right? And that, and that is the foundation of any type of magical spell, any type of prayer. And it's my contention that prayers, religious prayers, are magical incantations. That's all they are under the guise of whomever they're praying to. It's still a magical spell. It's a magical incantation. So we say our prayers, we state our prayers, we state our intentions out loud. So there is, how do I say this? If I were to swear at you with malintent, yes, that energy could go could get transferred to you. If I swear just to swear, it doesn't mean anything. There's no intention there. And I do swear like a truck driver, you know, so. So I can keep using profanity. Oh yeah. I mean, I'll drop the F bond whenever, but if there's, <laughs> if there's no intention, it doesn't do anything. But if I were really, really mad at you and said those exact same words, yeah. So it's driven by the intention behind the word. Exactly. So it kind of goes along the line of um, first we have a thought and, you know, then the thought becomes a word and then the words become an action and then the action becomes an actual thing. Right. 
Right. You got it. You so, got it. So it does kind of like follow that formula. Yes, exactly. And I always tell my <clears throat> clients, and I, I, I see it in everything I write is, state your commands, commands or petitions, whichever you like to refer to them. State your prayers out loud. Sound is energy, and energy produces action. Nobody's going to hear you if you're saying a silent prayer. And whenever I give a class, in fact, I'm giving a class this Saturday on uh, occult master class. Cool. Um, I scream. If I'm doing negative spell work, I scream my commands. I scream them at the top of my lungs. The more energy, the better. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, in hoodoo, do they, like, I know in, in voodoo, but I don't know if in hoodoo, um, do you guys sort of like go through like Papa Legba? No, no. no. Papa Legba is voodoo and in Santeria, we call him Elegua. Um, he is, now I'll tell you a little bit of a similarity, just a little bit. Okay. okay. And I can't speak for voodoo. I can speak for Santeria. I cannot speak for voodoo. I'm not a voodoo practitioner. Um, although I have to tell you, I admire them very, very much. So in Santeria, Elegua, also known as Papa Legba in, in voodoo, he has many, many paths. Okay. Like for instance, one of his paths is he lives in the in the garbage can. Okay. Another of his why does he live in the garbage can? Because he wants you to know that he sees all your garbage, right? Mm. That's uh, um, another path is he's at the crossroads. Okay, so in Santeria, we do a lot of spells and deploy them or even perform them at the crossroads. So we're asking Elegua for help. And in hoodoo, they call this entity the man at the crossroads. Some okay. of them refer to him as the devil. But uh -huh. then again, some of them, many people refer to Elegua as the devil because he's a trickster entity. He's a very loving entity. He has a lot of paths, but he can trick you. Okay. So, but the man of the crosswords, I see that similarity, but he's never been referred to by me. Right. Just the man of the crossroads. Okay. Kind of like um, the Robert Johnson story where he goes down to the crossroads and sells his soul. Exactly. So you know a lot more about hoodoo than you, you proclaim that you do. I just listen to a lot of music. Okay. All right. <laughs> So um, if I remember correctly, he did this in exchange for music, right? Yeah, to be able to play guitar. Uh, okay, so a lot of people do that. A lot of musicians will go to the crossroads for that purpose. Is the crossroads like a literal crossroad? Or yeah, is it yeah, it's literally the crossroads. Hmm. I might have to go there. Maybe it'll improve my guitar playing skills. 
Well, the oh. first thing is you have to know a little bit about guitar playing. <laughs> remember that old Joe doctor, you know, when you, my arm is broken, will I ever be able to play the violin? Oh, yeah, sure. Of course you will. When your arm heals good, because I've never played the violin before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if this was a hoodoo thing, but this, this was something like, when I was a kid, like, I guess I was like maybe, 14 or 15 years old I, uh-huh. I, I found like an old book on i think it was witchcraft or something uh-huh. and and i read about the um the hand of glory and i became like obsessed with it okay <laughs> have, have you ever heard of it, the hand it, of glory yeah in in santeria we call we call them uh mano poderosa which is a powerful hand so it it has that it it's also could be the Hamsa hand, the Hamsa that that means five. Hamsa means five in, in Arabic. That I do know. But the Jewish and the Jewish traditions, they use the Hamsa hand. In, in the Mediterranean traditions, they use the Hamsa hand. In um, um, Hudu, we use the Hamsa hand. And, and that is to avert negativity. It's used to avert negativity, negative energies, negative people, negative entities. So if that's what we're speaking about, mm-hmm. okay? Otherwise, it could be the mano poderosa, which is actually the hand of God. And in Santeria, we use that for something else. You know, that I was told by my godmother that that prayer is a very, very powerful prayer. Is it just a prayer or is it like an actual human hand from a corpse? No, it's, it's a hand of God. Okay. Now in, in, in hoodoo, in Apollo too, I mean, they will use human hand bones it's very rare nowadays, but they would use human hand bones to represent certain things like snatching things or grabbing things. Mm-hmm. And they also use like alligator claws to grab and snatch. In fact, alligator claws are, are used in, in gambling magic to grab or gla- um, grasp money or objects. Wow. I didn't know that. Hey, we I, I love that old school stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm before, so I know a lot of old school it's, stuff. It's, it's, well, it's, it's changed so much. Like, I, again, like, like I remember, like when I was a kid, there was a place in Pennsylvania called New Hope, and we go to see this shop, and like, and it had like the really, like real stuff. We have like, you know, like alligator claws and newt eyes and like all that stuff, bat wings. In yeah, like yeah, jars, yeah. you know. Like, now, was this a catalog? No, this was an actual store that I could walk into, and they had and, this. Stuff. And in New Jersey, it was in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Oh, you're from Pennsylvania. Well, no, no, I'm from New Jersey. Country here, okay. So yeah, you're from no, Pennsylvania. No, no, I'm from New Jersey, but New Jersey and Pennsylvania are right next to each other. Yeah, so yeah, could, I, I was stationed at McGuire Air Force Base for a little yeah, bit. So, yeah. so we could drive there. We used to drive there when I was a kid to go to this store. What part of Pennsylvania? It was in New Hope. How far um, is that from Horsham? 
Uh, pretty far. Oh, okay. But but like I was from more of a, I was from Central Jersey, which is only about twenty minutes from Pennsylvania. Ah, I see, I see. Okay. And we would go to the store, and it had like all that stuff. It had like like bat wings and body parts and yeah, and like you know, and like like now that's like something I never see anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, you, and, you and, get those things online though. Yeah. yeah, and it was like an actual old witch that used to work there. Wow, how cool is She that? was real grouchy. Good for her. <laughs> she was like, get out of my store, you kids. <laughs> yeah, I would love to be a grouchy old woman. I want, I, when I get really, really old, I want to have a cane and hit people with it. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly have been hit by quite a few canes when I was a kid. <laughs> That's great. Um, how about, let's see, what can I think of here? Um, divination. Is, is there any forms or specific forms of divination that are used in hoodoo? Absolutely. People, there's a lot of, a lot of divinatory forms. I don't use a lot of them. Uh, some people, many, many people use a pendulum I don't. I don't use a pendulum. Those are basically used for yes or no questions. Yeah. And a lot of them use bones. They use, they, they call it throwing the bones. And they get bones from different animal parts and different animals and their parts. And whatever the animal is and whatever the bone is, I don't read bones. It's too complicated for me. It's like, Oh my God. Um, it, it tells a story. So a lot of them, what they call throwing the bones, a lot of them will throw dice. I've done that before, but you'd have to use bone dice. Uh -huh. That's kind of fun. How, how do you read, read something like that? You use like, like numerology. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you know me, I, I just read the the tarot cards. That's what I do too. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the hoodoo practitioners they, they frown on us because they're used to reading regular cards. I can read the regular play, playing cards also, right. but I prefer the tarot. That that's that is for me my baby. A lot of them read the um Lenormand, I think that's how you pronounce it. Lenormand cards, a lot of them. Read, there's different, different ways, different ways. A lot of them will read coins. Like, um, oh, what's that called? I Ching. I Ching, yep. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, keep flipping the coins and you draw the little lines and then. I'll tell you, I bought an I Ching or I Ching book and I, I was very surprised. I, I don't remember how many coins I use, but very, very first try and I dropped the coins and it told me I was a widow and I almost crapped my pants because I am a widow. Wow. And I thought, this is really cool. But then I lost interest and I, I never <laughs> pursued it. People yeah. read uh, crystals and a lot of them, um, a lot of them read the runes. That that's more pagan. But all of these things, the beauty of of hoodoo is, 
it incorporates different practices into its practice, right? So it's a little more diversified and less rigid. So, so it does kind of, it takes from different traditions, not just one. Right. So it's a little hodgepodge. Yeah. Um, so what tarot deck do you use? Uh, Wait, Ryder, Wait, Smith. Uh, that's the only deck I've ever used. Yeah, that's the one I use the most too. Yeah. Um, I'm too old to learn anything else. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I've been using those cards since I was, I believe, 16. So that's what I'm used to. Yeah, I think I started younger than that. I think maybe in 12 or 13. Yeah, yeah. And then what I do is, you know, that one card that's got that lady's picture that developed them. Um, oh, Pamela. Yeah. I Pam have something. Her, I always put that card on my altar because I believe it helps me with my readings. I believe, you know, the essence, some part of essence of hers helps me. So I do honor her. That's awesome. Um, so <clears throat> what kind of things do your clients come to you for? Did, did they mostly come for putting curses and spells on people or do most people yeah. come to have them removed? Yes and yes. I don't perform curses on a constant basis. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy. It takes, when I do a cursing spell for somebody, I work on it for two months, okay? And it's just very time consuming. It's a lot of energy, a lot of screaming, a lot of physical exertion. And I have to make absolutely a million percent positive that the spell is justified. So because I know how to perform these spells doesn't mean that I'm doing them on an ongoing basis. I'm not, I, I turn down hundreds of people for negative spell work. They come to me for negative spell work. They come to me to remove the negative spell work and or negativity, whatever. And this is <clears throat> part of the reason that I wrote Huda Cleansing and Protection Magic. Okay. It's so that people are able to help themselves. And if they understand what is causing the dilemma, what is causing the run of bad luck, what is causing the fact that they're attracting negative people in their lives, why is it they keep going from one bad person to another bad person? Why is it that they brought something into the house and everything's changed? Why is it that they bought this new house and it has something happening, whether a feeling of doom or just bad luck or a lot of bad energy. Why is this happening? If a person is ill, what is going on that's making them worse? And why are people attracting negative entities? I have all of this covered in the book. So I'm teaching people in Hoodoo Cleansing and Protection Magic, I'm teaching them from the very, very beginning. And 
going on and on and on of why this happened and why that happened and how to fix it yourself. It hurts me to see, I also have a lot in here about con artists and scammers and, you know, and I say in the, in this day and age, there are as many honorable spiritual practitioners as there are dishonorable ones. And I've seen so many clients of mine, new clients that have been scammed. In fact, I had one yesterday, a new client yesterday, and she told me that, you know, she wanted something and she paid this person 700 and she paid that person 900 and on and on and on and on. And I was like, my God, this girl has paid thousands. And she was even threatened of being cursed if she didn't continue ongoing payment. So I have a section in here, even about these people. And, you know, don't ever worry about a curse. If, if their spell didn't work, what makes you think a curse would work? Okay, so, you know, <laughs> and I tell them that. So people come to me for that. People come to me for love work. People come to me for success spells. So you name it. I don't uh, particularly care to do money spells because if someone is coming to me for because they need money, they should not, they ought not be paying somebody to help them give, get money. So I always, those people, I always tell them, these are the things you can do. And I just say it in an mm -hmm. email, you know, cause I will never take money from somebody who needs money. And that's something that really bothers me. That makes so much sense. You know, not, I mean, why would you take somebody's money who's looking to make money? Well, you know, my, my, my biggest pet peeve is, is the ones that pay the practitioners for their lottery numbers. And it's like the practitioner wouldn't be <laughs> a practitioner right? a practitioner if they knew the lottery numbers. They'd be living like wherever the rich people are. Where is that? Beverly Hills? I don't know where the rich people live. They'd be <laughs> in their swimming pools and. So I, I'm money spells do work, you know, but I'm not going to charge anybody. You do it yourself. And right. that was my intention with hoodoo cleansing and protection magic. Here is what you do. This is why this is happening. And this is how you fix it yourself. It's it, not that hard. Right. Yeah. A lot of them are very simple. Yep. You know, and, and, and you're used things that, that you can actually find, you know, in a regular store or online. Right, exactly. You know, like you don't have to go out and find an alligator claw. Right, right. <laughs> or but I don't, I don't mention alligator claws in this book, but I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about love spells? Yes, they come to me for love spells. Do they? Yeah, um, and, and that, that depends too. And you, know, you don't do love spells on the impossible, right? So right. we get, I get a lot of people that 
want a love spell on a celebrity. So now when I, I get new clients, it's in my instructions. If you want a spell on somebody that you've never met, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give you a reading or I'm not going to do anything. Right. So, and you get a lot of those, you get a, a lot of people that have communicated with others online, but have never met them. And I see so many people that end up being victimized, right? It's, um, what's that word? Catfished? Catfished. Yeah, catfished. I can't tell you how many people have been catfished. So if you haven't met the person in in person, you know, I'm not going to do anything for you. Um, With love spells, is it ethical to do a love spell? Like, like say, um, a woman comes into your shop and she wants to, I don't have a shop. Well, comes to you and she wants you to do a a spell to make a guy fall on live love with her and say the man is already married and has happily married, has a family. I won't do it. I won't do it. Right. Okay. There has to be something there also when I do do it. So and I don't work that way. I, I, I kind of want to get off this topic and I'll tell you why, because I'm writing a book on this now and I don't want to give away the contents. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind, I'm sorry. Uh, but I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was on, on coast to coast um, in August and George Norrie started asking me questions, which is in the manuscript that is going to be published by the end of next year. And <laughs> I completely changed the subject. It's like, oh, I'm not going to have anybody, you know, steal my work, not until it's published. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Maybe um. I psychically read your new book already. Yeah, well, mind your own business then. Get out of my head. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I don't do love spells on on someone who's married. And anyway, I talked about this on uh, Mystic Moon Cafe. It's, you've got to consider everything. So does this person, your target, I always call the the, the the recipient of a spell, I always call them a target. So what, who are you hurting? Who are you hurting? If, if you put a love spell on a man that hypothetically is married and, and has children that adore him and then he falls under the spell, who are you hurting? You're hurting a whole family. You're hurting your children. You got to consider everything. And that's why most of my, my spells, I won't perform them without a reading first, because I'll tell you, clients can be deceptive. They can be very deceptive. Oh, yeah, you know, he's single and he loves me and blah, 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 blah. And it, it may not be the truth. So people will lie. Oh, I mean, a lot of people lie to get what they want. Mm. Um. When, when, say the per, you say no to that person and the person just decides to go about it and do it themselves. Would there be negative repercussions to that person for doing it? I, that I can't tell you. 
I imagine there would be. I imagine there would be. Yeah, I mean, I would think so too. Like, if, if you do something that's really harmful, I think. Oh, what's that saying? Like, what you? If you do something bad, it'll, it'll like come you, back t- times three or something like that. Yeah, um, but I don't say it that way. I say it comes back to bite you in the ass. That's what I. Say. <laughs> um. Spells have to be justified. The only time that I don't do a reading for spells is, you know, like a blockbuster spell, a road opener spell, a success spell, a, you know, healing spell. If, if you're not, okay, how to explain this? If I'm not hurting anybody, then I'll do the spell without a reading. You get what I'm saying? But yeah, like, like if it's for, for health or... Right, right. Something like that. Success, you know, someone says, oh, I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm taking this test and I want to be successful. Yeah, I'll do the spell. You don't need a reading for that, you know. Um, but once we've got other people involved, no, 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 no. Then it requires a reading. Hmm. Could you do a spell to make me a better podcaster? You could do a crown of success spell. Absolutely. I'll have to check that one out. Yep. Um, how about the um, the spiritual? Is there a spiritual side to hoodoo? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and what is it like? Like, well, you know, here, um, hero, <laughs> hoodoo, <laughs> hoodoo practitioners. You know, they. they are involved in ancestral veneration. Um, they work with saints. They work with entities. They work with their spirit guides. They work with their guardian angels. They work with God. They work with a multitude of entities. Yes, so there is a spiritual side. Uh, it, is there any work where, where people could use hoodoo to connect themselves, like to their... Um, say like the guardian angel type of thing. I don't think that requires any type of practice. I mean, our, our guardian angels are with us all the time. You just have to, to talk to them, talk to them out loud and, and they will hear you. You don't have to be a practitioner of anything. Your guardian angels are always around you. It's in the Bible. God assigned two guardian angels for us. Each and every one of us, they're always around us. And by the way, what's the difference between a guardian angel and a, a spirit guide? Okay, a lot of times these terms are used interchangeably and there's a huge difference. Okay, guardian angels <clears throat> are assigned to you at birth and they're with you till death. And from what I understand, they'll even help you make the transformation. All right. Mm-hmm. Their main purpose is to protect you. That's their main, main purpose. Spirit guides, on the other hand, come and go. So I gave you the example of the lady that Pam, that, that invented the, the tarot. Yeah. Right. And I do call upon her and that she to me is a spirit guide. They come and they go. So <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me drink some Coca-Cola here. I'm talking too much. Mm. So if 
I were studying something, um, let's say I was studying for a test in biology. Well, I'll give you one that's, that's, that actually applies to me, is I would call on the spirit of Florence Nightingale when I was in nursing school. And whenever I took tests, I'd call on her. And she, to me, is a spirit guide. They come and they go. Get what I'm saying to you? I do. Um, there are times that, well, there have been many, 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 many times that, you know, I'm, I'm a, I was a combat unit nurse and I was a level one trauma nurse in civilian life. There are times that I have done things and saved people's lives and then couldn't figure out how the hell I did it. Right. And that there were some spirit guides around. They may not be my spirit guides. You know, there may have been a doctor around the spirit of a doctor who was an expert in whatever I was doing. And he guided me as a spirit guide. So that's the difference between the two of them. How about if we're working on somebody like say, say you arrive at a scene of a motorcycle accident with the, uh, victims, spirit guides, or protecting angels actually work with you to help save that person. Yes, that can happen. Absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's kind of cool. I, I, I told somebody, I forgot who I said, a lot of people think that nurses and doctors are atheists and we're actually the opposite. I mean, excuse my language, but we have seen some shit. Okay. And <laughs> we have seen things that there have been no explanation. I've seen people come into the ER dying. I mean, it's like, oh God, this this one's this one's a goner. That one's a goner, you know. And we somehow resuscitated them. There was one that I'll never forget for the rest of my life, and he was actually in a motorcycle accident. He was a goner, as far as I was concerned. All of us were concerned. He was a gar- a gar- goner. Three weeks later. He came down to the ER to thank us for everything we did for him. <laughs> and, oh, you just never know. You just never know. And, and I've seen so many miracles. I've seen so many things that you can't explain it. You just can't. Well, I mean, obviously people in the spiritual practices can explain it, but you can't explain it medically. There's just absolutely no, no explanation whatsoever. Wow, that's fantastic. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. There, there's so much that happens that, that I think we're just, I mean, some people are aware, obviously, like people like you, but, you know, I think everyday people like me don't really notice all the stuff that goes on outside of the three dimensions that I perceive. Mm. Well, I think you perceive a lot more. I mean, you read your psychic, you read cards and, you know, you're telling me a lot of cool things that have happened to you. So you, you're a practitioner, aren't you? I don't consider myself that, you know, I mean, I mean, the tarot card thing is just something that came natural. You know, I had an aunt who, who was, would read tarot cards. I was fascinated with it. Uh And so one year for Christmas, my mom bought me a deck and I just started doing it, you know? Wow. How cool uh, is that? So and, and, there you go. You had spirit guides helping you with that. And that, that was that, you know. 
I, I don't think I'm actually any type of psychic or anything, you know, not, no more than any, anybody else. I think I interview a lot of psychics and a lot of them will say like everybody's psychic or has some type of psychic ability. Um, like, like, like if you're in a store and somebody's looking at you, you feel that person looking oh, at absolutely. you without seeing them. Well, they're penetrating the aura. Absolutely. Yes. So, so we, we're, we're aware. We, we know. Right. I, I think it's to the extent of how much work are we willing to go into developing the skill. Right. You know, right. Just like, like, like you said, like with playing guitar. First, I had to learn how to play the guitar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I'm very jealous of you because I took guitar lessons and I was asked to leave. That happened to me twice. <laughs> it was so bad. My violin, I was asked to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I was kind of lucky in that area too. I took lessons when I was a kid for maybe six months. Oh, wow. Wow. And, uh, and after that, I just kind of took off on my own. Only thing I know how to do is smoke on the water. Dun, 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 that's one of the first dun, dun, ones I learned. Yeah, that's what everybody <laughs> learns. <laughs> that's all I can do. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, thank you for coming on tonight and taking the time to speak with me. It was well, a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. And where can my listeners find you? I miss my... Um, Website address is MissAida.com, M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A.com. And you can find me on Facebook at Miss Aida Psychic. So those are two places that you can find me. And you can also find me on Amazon. Just uh, Google or whatever you do with that search engine. Yep. On Amazon, just write Miss Aida, A-I-D-A. And I'm going to post links too in the notes to the episode to all those oh. sites, places. Okay. So when people listen to the episode, they can just go into the notes and click on the link and find you. There you go. There you go. I'll make it easy. There. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to be on. Tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page www.everythingimaginable2020.com Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. And it's on Amazon. It'll change your life. Because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review and subscribe.